Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Swift. I'm talking with women who are taking action where their passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. They're using their God-given gifts to impact the world for Christ. And I hope this podcast encourages, inspires, and challenges other women to use their God-given gifts to impact the world. Today, I am talking with my friend, Mary Potter Kenyon. Seasons of loss and grief can hit so hard. And when my guest today lost her mother, husband, and grandson in the span of three years, it was the most difficult season of her life. She became a widow at 52 years old. Hear how God brought her through and how she is now helping others find their creativity to be able to work through their grief and find healing. I know what Mary has to say today will encourage, inspire, challenge you, and hopefully help bring the beginning of some healing if you're really struggling. So listen in while I have a chat with Mary Potter Kenyon. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I have my friend with me, Mary Potter Kenyon. She's a graduate from the University of Northern Iowa. She has a BA in psychology and she is a certified grief counselor. She works as a program coordinator at Shalom Spirituality Center in Iowa and is a public speaker and workshop presenter on the topics of creativity, grief, and writing. A widely published writer in magazines, newspapers, and anthologies, Mary is the author of seven books, including Refined by Fire, A Journey of Grief and Grace, and the recently released Call to Be Creative, A Guide to Reigniting Your Creativity. Mary founded the annual Hope and Healing Grief Retreat and the Faith Writers Conference at Shalom. And we are so blessed to have her on today. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you for having me. I would love, Mary, if you could share with us how you're taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect and how you're using your gifts to impact the world for Christ. Well, God led me in the direction of helping other people through their grief after I'd lost a mother in 2010, husband in 2012, and then an eight-year-old grandson in 2013. And I never would have imagined that my own grief would lead me in the direction of helping others, but it makes total sense because our experiences are meant to help other people. And I really believe that we are all here to help each other home. So I began a grief retreat to help other people in 2016, but I realized as I encountered different types of grief that I didn't understand because I was coming from a place of my own grief and knowing what helped me. But when I ran into people who had somebody they lost by suicide, or even the child lost, mine was a grandchild, and I didn't always have the answers to how to help my own daughter, I thought, I need more tools. I need more tools to help other people. So that's when I took online courses to become a certified grief counselor. And that kind of led into delving into what I had been doing to help myself through my own grief, which was writing. And at first, when I was um, writing through grief, through journaling, which I hadn't, I hadn't journaled, I'd been writing for 20 some years, but I had never journaled. I thought it was because I was a writer. Mm-hmm. And then by three months out after my husband's death, I thought, well, wait a minute, how does anybody even do this without writing about it? And that's when I started delving into 
this idea of all forms of creativity helping us through these life experiences. And so I've worked creativity into the grief retreats that I've been doing. And the Faith Writers Conference that I have been hosting the last two years, has all, all of this has fit together in some amazing, magical, and we know it's not magic way that I hadn't been doing public speaking for 40 some years. I had not ever imagined myself up in front of people talking about the things that I am passionate about. So it, it just all fit together to fit into the books that I wrote, to fit into the grief retreats that I was hosting and grief support groups I was speaking at into even the job that I never would have been qualified for 10 years ago, the job of a program coordinator at a spirituality center. I was doing my own programs and I was a librarian planning programs for other people, but suddenly everything, all those life experiences, all the books that I had written, every experience that I had gone through in the last 10 years fit to get this one job that I've been doing for two and a half years now. When I look back 10 years ago, I never would have imagined that God would bring me to where I am right now. And I know when people say, well, how do you do it? How do you get up in front of people and talk about those, those losses and that grief without crying? And I always say, it's not me. And I'm not sure everybody understands what I mean when I say that. And it's the same with the books. It's not me. None of this could have happened with just me, little old me, who was a mom at home doing some freelance writing when her husband died. I mean, with four of my eight children still at home, that person who could barely speak to the butcher and the mailman became the person who could stand up and talk to groups of people with words that only could come from God. What I'm doing now is a program coordinator, a spirituality center, and being able to talk about God and faith every day is amazing to me. And the books that I write are also, all of this happened after my husband's death, you know, and it'll be nine years next year. So even right now, when I'm talking about it, I'm thinking that is amazing to me. And living a life with all those passions that were in me and all that creativity that was in me all along, ever since I was a little girl, God prepared me for this moment and what I am doing now. That is beautiful. Going back when you first started talking, I really love how you said that we're helping others home. That's so beautiful. That could be a title of a book you write, helping others home. When you're explaining all of this to me, I was envisioning this giant funnel that God has this giant funnel and in goes all of these things in our life, all these experiences, and they're funneling all into these plans that have unfolded. And like you said, it's like you look back and go, wow. And how you use that analogy of the pieces fitting as it's a, it's this huge, big picture plan puzzle that he's putting together for our lives to impact others. And how he prepared you. Like you said, 10 years ago, you weren't equipped to do what you're doing now, but he equipped you. And how encouraging is that for a listener out there who feels like, what what can I do? Well, you just don't know what God has on the horizon and what he's already preparing you right now for. So talk a little bit more about that experience and how you were drawn to go through the classes and become equipped to do what you're doing now? Because there's maybe a listener who thinks, oh, maybe I feel called 
to grief counseling. How, how does that look, Mary? So I was 52 when my husband passed away and four of our eight children were still at home. And I didn't know any widows. Uh, my mother, but she had passed away 17 months before my husband. So I was like flailing about thinking, what, you know, what do I, what do I do? How do I do this? Basically, I asked the funeral director, is there a handbook for this? <laughs> and mm-hmm. because how do you, how do you do this? How do you face something that unexpected like that? My husband was a five-year cancer survivor and died after heart stent surgery. And our marriage was like amazing in those five and a half years. I feel so blessed to have that extra bonus time with him after his cancer. And the people and the books that God sent my way, I mean, it, I was fairly isolated as a, a mom at home, homeschooling mom at home. So I didn't really have very many friends or I didn't get out there much. I had just started like attending some writers conferences, just started getting out there a little bit. So I am amazed now. My daughter and husband had planned a 50th birthday party for me, a surprise party for me. They looked in my address book and they couldn't find any friends' names. So they had like one friend and then a couple high school friends that I had kind of kept in touch with me. And then a weight loss group. They invited my weight loss group to, to this surprise birthday party. Now, if you look in my address book 10 years later, I mean, there would be so many people that God had to have sent my way. That's where that um, helping each other home part comes in is because I was seeing what was happening. It was very obvious to me that God was bringing strangers into my life, ideas into my life that I hadn't thought about. I felt led to begin a Bible study because my church didn't have a Bible study. And I was like searching and my daughter says, well, why don't you begin what you want? And it's like, I'm not qualified to begin a Bible study. I knew instinctively, and I think we do have that in us, that inst- God had to have designed us to lose people. I mean, mm-hmm. he knew what he was doing. He knew that there was things we could do, tools that we could take to help ourselves through that, because we're all going to experience it. We're all going to experience loss of jobs and, and people and our everyday life like we have during this pandemic. So I was kind of searching, and I did start this Bible study with priests. Said, How many books should I order? We've never done this before. And I said, I don't know, 15. 50 people signed up for that first Bible study. It yeah. ended up moving into my home with a core group of seven to eight people. And I had that for five years. So all these, God was leading me to what I needed and to the people I needed. And I wanted to be one of those people. Yeah. I wanted to help those behind me who were coming down the same path that I wasn't prepared for and to hold their hand and to be alongside them. That's what led me to take grief courses and to get certified. So it's, it's not any clear path, except I learned in the stillness of my husband's death. I learned in that stillness what it was to listen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't believe that I was in my early fifties before I learned to listen to God And so in that quiet stillness and in those few months after his death, I felt led. That's all I can say is I felt led in certain directions. And Jeremiah 29, 11 became my, the Bible verse I would hold on to is that God had plans for me. I didn't know what they were and I didn't know how scary they would be or how different from what I'd been doing. And that's what he did. It was through the people, even the books I read. I mean, it was just the right book at the right time or the right, I'd turn on the radio and it would be the right Christian song at the 
the morning of my husband's funeral. I mean, the song that came on, I had never heard before. And I just clung to all of that and wanted to be part of that for somebody else. And so that's why I believe I was led down that path. And I believe that God builds us and designs us for something from the moment we're born. I mean, the, and as children, we're drawn to certain things. But as adults, we get away from those certain things. So the fact that I made little plays and wrote little poems as a child, and then got away from some of that, not the writing necessarily, but the, the speaking, and then found that again in my 50s, yeah. that, that there, it's never too late. And sadly, I hear that from some people well, you know, it's too late for me. Or worse, when I hear somebody say, well, I don't have any talents. I don't, how am I? (laughs) Yes, Mary. And that is just the essence of fierce calling. Okay, I am getting emotional here because listening, it's just so amazing how God does these things. And, you know, you were talking about how he's filled your address book with contacts of people who have loved on you that he has sent into your life and to encourage you, but also to help you along the path that he was leading you on because we are sojourners here and we're not alone in this. There are others. And when you were talking about becoming a widow at 52, I mean, that is so young. I remember a friend one time, she also lost her husband at a very young age and She said exactly what you said. She said, you know, there's no guidebook for this. I don't know what I need to do. Oftentimes your spouse took care of certain things and you don't know how to do these things and who's going to help you. And also, I mean, the ministry that you have is so precious, but I love too, how you're bringing out creativity as a healing process. And how you are a writer, but you actually never journaled. And there's such a big difference, right? So if you could talk a little bit more on the creativity and how you work that into your retreats and your workshops and what journaling might look like. It was 48 hours after my husband died that I went into the cabinet where I'd had some, actually some books personalized with our picture because I was celebrating our new life after his cancer and there was some coupon codes for some journals and so they had his face on our faces together and I stuck them in a cabinet because I thought well I don't know what I'm gonna do with these I've got them but I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with them well I knew immediately I knew immediately after he died that's this is now it's when I'm gonna pull these out and 48 hours after he died I sat at the kitchen table And I started writing down what I was thankful for. And if somebody had told me to do that 48 hours after my husband died, I'm not sure what I would have said to them. I don't think I would have necessarily done that or thought to do that. Again, I remember give thanks in all things. And so I filled three pages of that journal of things I was thankful for. I was thankful for that five and a half years after cancer when our marriage changed so dramatically. I was thankful that our 16-year-old daughter, for some reason, had felt led for the last three months to keep saying, I love you, and hugging her dad over and over throughout the day, so much so that both him and she were scared. They both had approached me saying, my husband says, "Um, is Emily okay? She keeps hugging me and telling me she loves me. And I says, hey, she's 16 years old. Enjoy it. And then Emily approached me and said, I don't know why, but I keep feeling led to tell dad 
I love him. And so later, looking back, I could be thankful that she felt led to do that and that she allowed herself to do that. Oh, his life insurance policy had been reinstated 27 days before his death. He hadn't had life insurance for 18 months, but it was reinstated 27 days before his death. So all those things, I just saw it. My sister's coming to me immediately. I was so thankful for them and their presence and stuff. Three pages. And then I began journaling each, probably each day. And like I said, three months out, I was thinking, wait a minute, you know, this is helping me so much. Is there something to that? And so I delved into the science behind it and there's science behind it. And there's science behind the fact that we are called to be creative. We are called to do these things because God can make our life the masterpiece. And so I like facts. I like research right along with faith. I like science right along with it. That's when I started delving into, okay, there's something to this writing thing that would help anybody. And I told my daughter that after her son passed away and she said, mom, I can't write about it. I can't write about it. There's some ugly thoughts in my head. I don't want anybody to know. And I says, well, you don't have to let anybody ever see it. You can rip it up. You can write and rip it up and it's still helpful to you. And somebody else might need to get their hands dirty in the dirt. Somebody else might need to bake a bunch of food or, you know, do turn to baking. And somebody else might need to paint or just do something that they can get lost in to help themselves. So I looked at a lot of the science. I knew already after my mom died because she was such a creative person. I made some notes about a book on creativity. 10 years ago. Mm. And that book didn't come out till this year. The writing, I ended up writing a book about expressive writing for healing. And even the day my husband died, I knew when I couldn't find that handbook, I was probably going to write the handbook. I mean, so we, we, there are tools available to all of us and God designed us to, to be able to get through things like loss or a pandemic or whatever it is that we are faced with. We can find our way. It's like a dark room when you face something like this and you're just trying to feel for the light. The light switch is there and you just have to find it. And it's it's through God. I don't know how people face any of this kind of thing without God. Yeah. I really don't. But he is there and our answers are there. And then when that, you might get little glimmers because you, maybe you can see that light switch because there's little glimmers of hope. The person at the grocery store who reaches out to you as a stranger, but all of a sudden you just know that person was put in your path to help you down this dark path, whatever that dark path is. And then every once in a while, there's big glimpses of life so you can, or light so you can see that, that switch that, that we all need. So it's there. I mean, there's answers and a lot of it is in how God designed you. Yeah. Are you designed to, to bake? Are you designed to get out there in nature or garden or, and it's, if you can look back to what you were drawn to as a child, that might be where the answer is for you now as an adult. That's beautiful. And that is so encouraging, especially, I mean, for all of us and those who are listening, as you were saying earlier, you know, when you were saying, well, I wish there was a Bible study and then your daughter, cause God uses other people to speak that into our lives. Like your daughter's like, well, you know, mom, just go ahead and start one. You know, if that's what you need. And when you're talking about, we have resources available. Well, those are the resources that God had creatively inspired in someone 
to be able to create those resources for the person who needs it. And I love how you're talking about journaling and to think back on what they were doing when they were younger. And I love that you are using these gifts to help other people. You know, the form that usually I have my guests fill out just to get more information. I love how you said, I get up every morning wondering how God will use me that day. I do. And I even pray on the way to work or at the beginning of the day, use me. I mean, almost with excitement, how is God going to use me? And there's different times when somebody, and it's often a stranger. I've had strangers ask me questions that I'm thinking, wait a minute, how do you know I'm a safe place to ask this question? I had a young man at cashier at an Arby's, I think it was an Arby's, once lean over as we were waiting for my order. And because I, he said a simple thing, I can't eat chicken anymore when I ordered a chicken sandwich. And I, because I am always waiting for God to use me, the old me would have just ignored him and got my chicken and went and I says, oh, why can't you eat chicken? Well, I had cancer. And then oh, I'm so sorry. What kind of cancer? And then he says, well, I almost died. And that's when he leaned over and said, and in the hospital, I saw my grandmother in the doorway. And he said, and she died the year before that. Do you think I saw my grandmother? And I'm thinking, even as this is happening, I'm thinking, wait a minute, how does he know this is a safe place and a safe person to say that to? I could look at him and tell him, okay, Sonny, you know, (laughs) this is, and I said, I do think you saw your grandmother. Why do you think your grandmother came? And he says, well, I was living a horrible life. I was taking drugs. I was, I was an awful person. I was living a horrible life. And she looked so sad. And I said, well, did you change your life after you saw your grandmother? And he says, yes, I go to church now. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't take any drugs and stuff. And he was all excited. And I'm getting all, of it, all excited. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm in a line. There's people waiting for their food behind me. And this is a very strange conversation. This is how God works in my life ever since I've gotten close to God. This is how God works in my life. So I say, what is your name? I want to pray for you. And he gives me his name. And I says, I will pray for you. And I've been praying for him ever since. So all these random encounters that I have that I'm not sure I ever had these kind of random encounters or I did not pay attention to these random encounters. Like I said, the old me would have just ignored that and gotten my chicken and went and ate. But that's the kind of thing that happens when you get up every morning and you think, God, can use me? Please guide me to the right people at the right time. This young man needed somebody to hear him. He needed to know that his grandmother did somehow God reached out to him when he was near death and wanted him to change and he did change and so that's what can happen if you open yourself up to that possibility that there is no such thing as a random stranger there is no such thing as random people coming into your life for random reasons there's a reason and you don't always know or ever get to find out what that reason is but one little encounter one little encounter in a grocery store when I saw a man looking very confused in the grocery store and he was in the coffee aisle. All I could remember, all I could think of is after my husband died, I had to bolt out of a grocery store because when I got to the peanut butter aisle, 
and he loved peanut butter. I couldn't take it anymore. And I bolted out. So when I saw a stranger standing there looking like I felt back then in the coffee aisle, I immediately knew even as awkward as it felt to say, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Well, my wife always picked out the coffee and she's not here anymore. And I said, I'm sorry. I know what that's like. And just to see another human being and to say, yes, this Mm -hmm. is normal. You're okay. And this happened to me too. That that's, that's how God uses us. It seems so random. It seems so, so like it doesn't necessarily make sense to you at the time but later you can think wait a minute maybe I was there for that one person for that moment when they need somebody I'll never see them again but that one moment will mean something that's so beautiful Mary because you're right God will allow these divine appointments in our lives and just as you said and I love that you brought out the the fact that we can sometimes be oblivious to it if we're not being intentional and we're not asking God, like you say, like in the morning, like, God, show me what you want me to do today. Show me the people you want me to minister to. Show me the hurting. And in the Holy Spirit within us, I believe too, that gentleman, that that kid at Ar- Arby's, he was drawn to the Holy Spirit and like he could see a light that he knew was safe. And you know what, Mary? you go into Arby's, you generally are going to order roast beef. Okay. And so that day you felt like you needed a chicken sandwich. Okay. And you thought you were going in there to get a chicken sandwich. And that was with that conversation just, just sparked from chicken, chicken. you know, like eat more chicken, right? Is that what chicken <laughs> says? But I just, that is so beautiful. And then the man in the grocery store that you would be able to recognize that's what was going on in his life when nobody else was looking at him probably people you know how we can get in the grocery store people are like oh, would you please move out of the way and now in this time where we're not supposed to be standing close to people it's like you really can't get approach people so other people mm-hmm. waiting to pick their coffee were probably like i wish this man would hurry up and make up mm-hmm. his mind you know they didn't see the deeper thing going on in his life and that so beautiful and it's just like how God works. And it just, it's so emotional for mm-hmm. us to even, we're so humbled by the fact, right? That he would mm-hmm. even use us in those ways. And it would have been so easy to just walk past that man and not feel foolish. Yeah. But I've learned over and over that if I feel prompted to do something, even if it seems or feels a little bit ridiculous to me or like it doesn't make sense to me if I feel that prompting and I know it's the Holy Spirit I just go I think well okay what's the worst thing that could happen he could look at me and say um no I'm fine what's wrong with you for approaching me if I feel that prompting I follow it Mm -hmm. and sometimes it I mean it's almost always for some reason that maybe I don't know but other yeah. times it's very obvious after I follow the prompting why I was prompted to do that. Yes, it, it's so amazing. And I remember a story one time, I think I've told it before, and I don't even, I'm sorry, I don't even remember <laughs> the speaker or the pastor or whoever who told this story, but he was, um, he had just had an argument with his wife in the, in the car and they stopped at a convenience store. I think they were on a trip or something. 
and um, he went in the grocery, no, he went in a convenience store. It was like a gas station convenience store. And he was just beside himself. He was in a bad mood. He was like, blah. And he kept feeling the Holy Spirit was saying, go to the cashier and tell her about Jesus. Tell her about me. You know, go up to the cashier and tell her about hope. She needs hope or something. I forget exactly how the words went, but he was not in the mood to do that. And he was like, not today. You know, I don't feel like doing that. I'm not doing that. And just moments later, this very burly kind of rough looking gentleman burst into the door and he thought, oh, great. Here we go. Now she's going to get robbed. Maybe she's going to get killed. And I had an opportunity to witness to her if she didn't know the Lord. Well, instead, this man that looked like a big, huge threat started talking to her about the Lord. And he said, you know, I was sent in here because I'm supposed to tell you God sees you. And, you know, he he started telling her the Mm -hmm. gospel. You know, he was like, okay, Lord, I get you. You know, I was supposed to be the one, but you're going to, you know, you're going to use someone else if I'm going to say no, and I'm not going to be open to these kind of divine appointments. And so that just reminded me of that story Mm -hmm. and what you were talking about, Mary. And, you know, it's so true. We don't know how people are going to receive it, but we just want to be intentional and just say what's on our hearts because sometimes we just are uncomfortable about things. And God's like, you know, I I pour out my blessings upon you. And we have so many things to be thankful for. But he doesn't promise that we're going to always be comfortable about stuff. You need to be uncomfortable sometimes and approach people out of your comfort zone so that you can do my work and you can partner with me Mm -hmm. in kingdom work. So how to has this been a part of your retreats and like with the faith writers and hope and healing, um, is that something that you also incorporate? As I plan those, and I've got wonderful people I work with, who God sent to me, I'm sure. I mean, one I met in Dallas, Texas, and didn't even know where he was from when I, after I heard him speak, I asked him, hey, would you come to Iowa and do this? I didn't even know where he was from. He could have been from Dallas, Texas. And he immediately said, yes. I mean, and then I said, well, where are you from? And I don't know if I can pay you. He said, that's okay, I will come. <laughs> so I have people like that that work with me. Mitch Carmody mm-hmm. has come for five five years. This year we was all online. but And working creativity into, well, Faith Writers Conference is obvious, it's writing. But the grief retreat has, we've always had a little bit of creativity in it because I found it so healing and I knew there was healing properties. Plus it's just good to make something or use your hands. A lot of talking goes on when you're using your hands and you think that you're not getting anything more than a little piece of art. But what is happening is as you are moving things around on a piece of paper or painting on a rock or whatever it is, you're talking out loud. And pretty soon people who never talk, who are always just listening, and maybe because it's too painful for them to talk, are talking. It's just like during this pandemic, my daughter, when I came home from work and had to work from home, wasn't talking to me. I mean, she just didn't want to talk about viruses or much of anything else. She just stayed in her room all day until we went out in the woods and she started talking and talking and talking and she couldn't stop. We find healing in creativity, Mm -hmm. in nature, in, in whatever God gave us 
to find healing in. So I do work. It all fits together. It all fits together with everything that I'm doing, the programs that I do. And I always pray before I do any speech, before I do any program, because I don't know if I had to read up a paper, I'm not sure God could use me as easily as if I keep myself open and let God lead. Mm -hmm. And so I do that in all of my programs, in the planning, in the people I choose, and in the event itself. So it all fits together because God is in it. God is in my books. God is in my writing. God is in my speaking. God is in all the programs. that, And that's why I think I'm so blessed to work at a spirituality center because I can do that because I've worked for libraries and I've spoken at, at places where they say, now, you know, you can't talk about God, right? And I think, well, um, how can I talk about creativity without talking about the creator? How can I talk about grief and healing without talking about the healer? But lo and behold, even in those parameters, somebody in the audience will bring up God or faith. And then it's okay. Just like when I worked for a newspaper and interviewed people, I couldn't put my faith into those articles. Mm -hmm. Guess what? God hit the front page over and over when I was a reporter because the person I was talking to brought up God and faith. So when I interviewed a couple who got married in their late 80s, I didn't bring up God in faith. The man did. And he got out his Bible and he was talking about why he was led to this woman. She'd lost a son. She'd lost a spouse. They ran into each other at an elevator and how God worked in that and brought them together in their late 80s, you know, and stuff. God can be where even if I'm told, well, you can't bring faith into it. Guess what? God comes into it anyway. Because you have to quote them, right? It's them saying it, right? It's not me. I have a lot of friends that are teachers and they run into that. If the student says something or asks something, we cannot take God out of things. It's like, he is everywhere. You have a book. Of course, all your books are amazing. And this recent one called to be creative, a guide to reigniting your creativity. And I love how you use the word reigniting. It is something that is already there. Even if you're not aware of it, There may be things that you are called to create that you have no idea, like different types of paints or pottery or writing. In Isaiah, I believe, says, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you perceive it? That's amazing. So how can our listeners connect with you, Mary? So you can find me at www.marypotterkenyon.com. And you can also find me on Facebook, Mary Potter Kenyon, which you'll see a lot of these events pop up on there. And then I'm also on Instagram, uh, Mary Potter Kenyon. So you can, you can find me in some of these programs that I, I do and read more about my books in those places. Amazing. And I will have all of those links in the show notes so the listener can find you and connect with you because I know you'd love to hear from them. And I know the things that you've shared today have really blessed so many of us, and they were, like you say, they were God's words, you know, coming through you and how he's used you and just the testament of his love and how he can use each one of us, but not only so that we can minister to others, but just, you know, he ministers to us, our own souls and our own spirituality and just connecting with him because he is, he is the creator and he is a creative. None of us, like you say, none of us can say, well, I'm not creative. <laughs> it's like, no, you're created to be creative. Right. 
this has been such a blessing, Mary. I'm so thankful to have you on. And I would really love to have you on again. I would love that. God was here. (laughs) Yeah. The words that he has given you to say has inspired and sparked something in someone listening today to start something that they wish was going on that isn't. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. Maybe he's calling you to start it. And just to like walk in that fierce calling that he calls us all to do in different seasons in our life. It's never too late. It's never too late. And it's in you. It's there. Those are great words for us to leave the listener with. So thank you, Mary. God bless you and your ministry and look forward to hearing so many wonderful things that the Lord continues to abundantly bless and do in and through you, your family, and this ministry he's given you, friends. So I will talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. I hope what Mary had to share today blessed you and perhaps even brought about the beginning steps of healing if you are going through a difficult season. Jesus knew what it was like to lose people that he loved. I love in the show where Mary said that we're helping others home. That was a very powerful statement because this is not a real home. We're just passing through, but we're here for a reason, a purpose and a plan. And God will reveal that. Just put one foot in front of the other. And as we seek and ask his guidance and direction, he is faithful to show us the way and lead us. He lights our path. You can connect with Mary at marypotterkenyon.com and I'll have all the links in the show notes for you. I would also love to connect with you. And if today you're struggling with some things that are threatening to steal your joy, well, I've put in the show notes a free resource that I created. It's called Surrender the Joy Stealers to reveal your joy stealers and name them and surrender them to God. I hope it blesses you, friend. I hope you'll join me next time when I talk with another woman who is taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.